All right, Acts chapter 3, we're looking at a church in action, what it means to be a church in action. We're going to begin tonight by reading verses 1 through 11. The Bible says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered in with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. They were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering." So our first week in this account, the main emphasis was how this beggar's true need wasn't what he was asking for. He was asking for money, but he had a deeper need. He needed Christ in his life. Our second week in this account, we considered what real ministry looks like. Peter stretches out his right hand to him. He touches him, and then he lifts him up. He exerts energy and effort and investment into this man's life, and that's what real ministry looks like. We reach out to others, and we invest in others. And then last week in this account, we considered the contrast between religion and Christ. This man was placed at the place of religion every day, and yet nothing ever changed. This beautiful gate here is located at the temple, and and where this Judaism religion is taking place, but his helpless condition was never helped. I mean, he's just laying there, and religion, that's all it does. It may have some beautiful trappings, it may look good externally, but what we need is not a beautiful religion, but the one who is altogether lovely. Religion, it leaves people spiritually crippled day after day, year after year, generation after generation, but once we enter into a relationship with Christ, there is an immediate change within the heart, and that change is eventually manifested outwardly. So do you have religion or a relationship? In verse 6, Peter says to this poor crippled beggar, Silver and gold have I none. And and I know I've already preached on this statement, but there is a thought I haven't stated yet. And it's going to help set the table to consider this miracle for tonight. This early church, it's, it's a great picture of a church in action, but it was not a church of wealthy people. Uh, we saw at the close of chapter 2, they sold all their possessions and good. Goods. They pulled all that money together to help those within their church. And so while this church had a fund balance, amen, uh, that's good to have, the, the people were not rich. You see, the first century church had little riches, but they had great power. The 21st century church has great riches and little power. It seems so many churches today are like the church of Laodicea, which said, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Meanwhile, Jesus is saying to them, Knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. 
And so I wonder tonight, do we understand how dependent we are upon God? Jesus said, for without me, ye can do nothing. A church doesn't need great riches in order to experience God's great power. Yes, ministry takes money, but it doesn't require great riches. Now, sometimes God's great power will be the increase of great riches for a church body. Somebody say amen right there. Uh, I'm personally praying God will miraculously provide for us that we might build a bigger facility. Amen. Amen. Now, let me use this as a commercial break for just a minute. We started the new year with sickness, so attendance was down a little bit from what I would consider a, a more historical average. But for six weeks after that, through the end of February, we averaged 189 on Sunday mornings. I'm not sure how that number is going to change once we add March in there. It'll, it'll go down, I think, from what I looked at. But um, I know the nicer weather on Sundays has helped this winter. Amen. And it does feel like God's on the move around here. Why am I telling you this? Because I really want you to be in prayer for a new facility. We've, we've never seen what we're seeing in the winter that we've seen here this year. Well, not since I've been here. I'm not sure all the, all the past. Are, the only records I have go back, to, I think, to 1990. Somewhere in there. But anyway, just pray. Pray that God will make a way for us to expand. Uh, Not for our sake, but for His name's sake. Not because we think we're worthy, but because He's worthy. Now, back to our text. They didn't have great riches, but they still experienced God's great power because what they did have was Christ. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And as we already considered in verse 7, Peter took him by the right hand, lifted him up. And for tonight, I want to consider this miracle as we progress in this account. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. We know from chapter 4, this man was above 40 years old. And how easy it would have been for this man to tell Peter, what are you thinking? I've never walked a day in my life. What makes you think You can come along and have me to stand up and walk. Come on, man. Leave me alone. I'm trying to raise money. You're blocking everybody. You're wasting my time. But he doesn't suggest how there's nothing that can be done. He doesn't explain how I've seen all the doctors in the past. I've seen all these doctors. They couldn't help. Peter, what makes you think you're going to be able to help? He doesn't argue with Peter. He doesn't make a case why this would be impossible. This man just had simple faith that God is able. He had likely seen Christ before. He had likely heard Christ before. He he probably heard his preaching when Christ was at the temple. And maybe this man was already saved. We're not given any of this background information. But we know in this moment, this man, he is exercising faith in Christ. Besides, what did he have to lose? When you get to where Christ is all you have, you find Christ is all you need. Immediately, his feet and ankle bones receive strength. Matthew Henry wrote, His feet and ankle bones receive strength, which they had not done if he had not attempted to rise and been helped up. He does his part. Peter does his. And yet it is Christ that does all. It is He, speaking of Christ, that puts strength into Him. In the beginning of verse 8, we read that this man, leaping up, stood and walked. Just let that sink in. 
Here's a man he's never walked a day in his life. It could be he's never even stood before. And now, without being assisted, he's able to stand, walk, and leap. Now, I was picturing a little child when they begin to learn how to walk. We take them by their hands, we lift them up, and they kind of bounce. And eventually just hit the ground again. Eventually they begin to pull themselves up. They kind of scoot along whatever it is they're hanging on to. But then they still crawl to the next object. They don't have anything to hold on to. Sometimes we take them by both their hands with them in front of us, and they're walking towards mom, and they got that big goofy face, you know. (laughs) We take them by one hand later on. They begin to walk a little bit better. Finally, the day comes. They work up the courage to let go of the couch, take a quick step to the coffee table. (laughs) Right, you with me? Then according to Dr. Internet, on average, a child will begin to walk around 12 months. And even then, they're still learning to fine-tune their new mode of travel. But this man, with the exception of Peter reaching down and lifting him up, he instantly leaps and walks. No toddling. I got the picture of Peter holding him by the hands. <laughs> There's none of that. No learning is involved. He's walking. He's leaping right away. The, this miracle, among others, before this one, it was a fulfillment of Isaiah 35, 6. Then shall the lame man leap as in heart. This was further proof that the Messiah had arrived in Jesus. When John the Baptist was in prison before he was beheaded, he got a little down and out. He sent two of his disciples to Christ to ask, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? In Matthew eleven four and 5, Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. This is proof that Christ had come on the scene. And here at the temple, which is the epicenter of Judaism, this miracle takes place, and it was to further proof to those in Judea that maybe they were still unconvinced, of course, those who were still unconvinced that Jesus was the Christ. Now take note in verse 7 how this man, he received strength immediately. And this further demonstrates this miracle is of God. When God performs a miracle, there's immediate results. Luke chapter 4, verses 38 and 39, And he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife, mother, was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. And immediately she arose and ministered unto them. Luke chapter 13, verses 11 and 13, And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity eighteen years, and was bowed together, and and could not in no wise lift herself up. And when Jesus saw her, He called her to Him, and said unto her, Woman, thou art loose from thine infirmity. And He laid His hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. To the lame man that was at the pool of Bethesda, Jesus said in John chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. The cynics and the skeptics will point out, we don't see miracles today like this, but they're wrong. God is still performing miracles. If you're born again, you've experienced the miracle of the new birth. The second birth. Once you were saved, God immediately took up residence 
within you in the person and presence of the Holy Spirit. And immediately, God removed the stony heart and put within you a heart of flesh, a new heart. And immediately, your sins were washed away. Whoop! Immediately, you had a clean slate. Immediately, you were adopted into the family of God. Immediately, you were made joint heirs with Christ. What was it that caused us to experience the miracle of the new birth in the first place? It was faith, was it not? It was faith. We heard the Word of God. We placed our faith in Christ alone for salvation. And immediately, God performed a miracle in our life. It's the same thing here in our text. The miracle in this case was a result of the spoken Word being mixed with faith. Romans 10, 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The message was Christ. It was mixed with faith. And with that, there was an immediate miracle. There was the faith of Peter and John in Christ. There was the faith of the crippled man. And faith in this, with the Word of God, what was the message? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Then immediately there was a miracle. In Acts chapter 3, here in verse 16, you'll see, the, you'll see that proved because it talks about how this was all a result of faith. Look at what it says in verse 16. And his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. I love this passage, John 5, 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life presently now hath everlasting life shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life it's immediate Ephesians 2 8 9 for by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourselves it is the gift of God people are still looking for God to work on their behalf but the problem is they're not exercising faith they may have the word the word but they're not mixing faith with the word You know the Word tonight. But are you mixing it with faith? Hebrews 4.2 says, For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the Word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Now, I want to be sure I'm not suggesting that it is God's will for everybody to be healed. It is not. Obviously, it is God's will for people to die. Sometimes it is God's will for an illness or condition to linger because God is working on a greater spiritual blessing in a person's life. Paul besought the Lord three times to remove the thorn in his flesh, and God said no. But through that, Paul learned to take pleasure in infirmities and give God the glory. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4.20, But Trophimus have I left at my leadum sick. And the fact remains that all healings are only temporal in the grand scheme of things. Brother DeGarmo was teaching this in Sunday school. It's amazing. Um, why? Because it's appointed unto man wants to die. Amen. Listen, you, you might have had a miracle happen in your life physically. Thank God for that healing, but it's only temporal. We're, we're going to die. But we also know that God is still a miracle performing God, but it takes faith. Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 42. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying unto him, If thou wilt... Thou canst make me clean. That's faith. He looks at Jesus and said, If you will, you can do it. And Jesus, moved with compassion, put forth His hand and touched Him, and saith unto Him, I will. Be thou clean. 
And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. Jesus said to a blind man in Luke 18, verses 41 through 43, What wilt thou that I shall do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Receive thy sight, thy faith hath saved thee. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people when they saw it and gave praise unto God. In Acts chapter 14, we're going to find a similar account, almost identical to what's happening here in Acts chapter 3. It's a crippled man, just like in our text, but it would be by faith. And what we'll learn there is that God has to perceive our faith. Listen to what it says. Acts chapter 14, verses 8 through 10. And there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a crippled from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. There were times when Jesus would perform miracles without great faith, or when there was a lack of faith. But often the problem we have today is just lack of faith. Remember the demon-possessed boy that the disciples could not cast out, that demon? And they bring this, they bring this possessed boy to Jesus, and Jesus, of course, He cast the demon out of him. There was a lack of faith amongst the people. Jesus still did a work, but then He gave this lesson on faith. Matthew 17, verses 17 through 21. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if you have faith, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. And I I realize that this is probably for me right here, because I know there's times that I do not exercise mountain-moving faith. I have times where I walk by sight. I am one of those who wants to see God work mightily on our behalf. But I'm guilty of not always mixing faith in with the word that I know to be true. Matthew 21, verses 21 and 22. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, But also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing, ye shall receive. I I think there's a need for a new facility. I haven't yet convinced God of that, I don't think. But I've got to be honest with you, there's times that I look at how much that's going to take, and it seems so far off. On one hand, I I know God can do anything. I've seen Him do other miracles. But on the other hand, I know I'm not completely at the point of nothing doubting. 
That's a problem. I have ups and downs. There are times when I believe God's going to come through in a miraculous way, and there's times I believe, well, God must not want us to yet. And then I start to think of reasons of why it must not be God's will yet. Things get a little blurred. Am I the only one that deals with this? I really don't want to waste your time tonight. I mean, I'm taking certain steps. I went forward with the land purchase, believing God wants us to do something great. God wants to do something great through us. Um, we've been marking out areas where the building will go. I can see it by faith. We are discussing ways ahead and taking some steps. Some steps. That's only by faith because we don't have the means yet. We don't have enough to buy the chairs. But then there's times I get in this funk where my faith begins to slip. And I hate to disappoint any that are looking for the perfect pastor. But I know I'm not where God wants me to be in this area yet. And so pray for me. I don't want to be the one holding us back. Probably enough confession time because now I'm depressed enough to go home and eat a whole carton of ice cream. <laughs> of course, I can do that when I'm excited. So, I mean, what? you never know how I'm feeling. Amen. Well, this crippled man, we see in the second half of verse 8, after he was healed, he entered into the temple with Peter and John. Now, into the temple can have a lot of different meanings. It can mean into the first court of the Gentiles. It can mean entering further into the court of the women, further into the court of Israel. For the priest, it can mean entering into the holy place. And, of course, for the high priest, it can mean the holiest. But upon being healed... I want you to take note of how the first place that this man went to was the temple. You say he was already there. I know, but he stayed. He went with Peter and John, it says, into the temple. He went further in than he probably ever had been. Oliver B. Green, in his book, The Acts of the Apostles, Volume 1, wrote this, quote, The truly born-again believer will attend the house of God. He will not need to be persuaded to join the local church. His first thought will be to unite with God's people to worship and praise God for salvation just as this dear man praised God. End quote. But Oliver B. Green and the preachers back then were a lot more blunt and to the point. And so he wrote this. Those who must be begged and coaxed to attend church have never been born again. I'm not sure I'm ready to be quite as dogmatic as that. But the fact remains, God's children need to gather with God's people as an assembly. Those in Christ should turn their steps towards the house of God. We should be glad when they say unto us, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. Certainly we can make the connection that born again people will prove the miracle of Jesus in their life by how they are walking with God just as this man is doing. Colossians 1.10 says that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. The Bible says we're to walk honestly. We're to walk as children of the light. We're to walk in wisdom. We're to walk in truth. And in short, we are to walk as Jesus walked. 1 John 2.6, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. And we see in this healed man, there's nothing wrong with praising God at the house of God. I don't believe in putting on a fake show of praise, but I know some churches where this man would no longer be allowed to attend. 
or they would at least throw in a wet blanket on them. Some might be a little freaked out tonight if a man stood up leaping and praising God. But if you experienced what this man experienced, I don't think you'd be quiet either. And if you experienced what this man experienced, I doubt you would care what others thought too. I know we all praise God in varying ways, but we all should be praising God tonight for His goodness and His wonderful works towards the children of men. Let's try to move fast. The last, last two verses I want to cover tonight, verse 9 and 10. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. When Jesus heals a, sinner's other, when Jesus heals a sinner, others should be able to know about it. Especially in a case where a man is above 40 years old. I mean, we can understand a little child gets saved. There's not a whole lot that's really changing outwardly. The older somebody is and they come to know Christ, there ought to be a, a difference. I mean, there ought to be a difference in everybody's life, but you understand what I'm saying. We are new creatures in Christ. Old things are passed away. So if you're in Christ tonight, your actions should change. Where you hang out changes. Your language changes. Your attitude changes. Your desires change. Where there was no shame and sin, there's now conviction. All who were present that day knew, it says, knew that it was He which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. But He isn't sitting anymore. It's the same voice, but it isn't begging anymore. He's praising God. You see, his countenance has changed. What happened to this man? Jesus made a difference in his life. And others could see the change. So how about you? Those you work around, can they tell you're a Christian? Can they tell by your convictions, your standards, your language, your way you carry yourself, the way you act, the way you submit to authority? Can they tell? Can people see the changes Christ is making in your life? If you say you're in Christ tonight, then your life ought to look different than the world's. That's not hard to do in these days. In closing, I want to tell you, a church in action causes a stir in the community. A church where the power of Christ is manifested by souls coming to Christ and lives being transformed gets noticed. God, when He is undeniably at work, it creates an excitement among believers and unbelievers alike. When people hear of miracles taking place, like drunkards being made sober, drug addicts being made clean, thieves becoming honest men, marriages being restored, children being reclaimed, Families being salvaged. All by the power of God, people began to take notice of that church. A church where revival breaks out, where souls are saved and lives are changed, will become the center of interest. And that church will be like a city set upon a hill, which cannot be hid. Been my prayer, and will continue to be my prayer, that God will send revival to Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. 
And I want to be that church where miracles are still taking place. All by the power of Christ. This is a church in action. Listening to a message recently and a man was talking about somebody he ran into at the gym. I don't have that problem. (laughs) And long story short, he invited him to his church. And the man said, I get asked almost everywhere I go to come to that church. Let's pray.